Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Friday, October 6th, 2017. Broadcasting from the Beantown Athletic Studio. Beantown Athletics, Boston's number one source for screen printing and embroidery. Today's show is presented by DraftKings. You can play for free at DraftKings.com or on the DraftKings app by using my promo code PICK. That's P-I-C. Today's show is also presented by Adam's Fish Market in Dorchester. Try them once and you'll be hooked. Head into Adam's Fish Market and treat yourself to an amazing seafood dinner at the absolute best price you'll find anywhere in Boston. Whether it's a fried or broiled fish dinner or a fish sandwich with fries or onion rings, Adam's Fish Market is always fresh and always delicious, and it has been for over 70 years. My go-to, me personally, I go with the lobster roll for just $12.95. You're not going to beat it. And speaking of lobsters, you can buy live lobsters at Adam's Fish Market, boiled or steamed, at no extra charge. Go to their website, adamsfishmarket.com, right now to check out their entire menu. And when you do stop by on Adams Street in Dorchester, make sure you tell John and George that I sent you. Adams Fish Market, try them once, and you'll be hooked. Welcome to the show on this Friday, October 6th, a day later than I usually give you this show. But uh, as I told you earlier this week on Monday's podcast, I wasn't going to come back on Thursday. Like, I just wasn't. To give you what? Another preview for all the action that we had in this town on, on Thursday night? No. So here I am on Friday, Friday morning, giving you a little reactionary piece. Now, an update, I will be on the radio tonight on this Friday night and tomorrow on Saturday and on Sunday. So I'll be on all weekend. I'll be taking your calls. I'll be getting your reaction. But I'll give you my initial reaction on this podcast right now. I will also close out the show like I do at the end of every week with picks, picks for the upcoming weekend in the NFL, the upcoming Sunday games. So I got picks, picks for week five in the NFL. I have my DraftKings gotta have them play for Sunday for Sunday slate. I give you one player that you gotta have in your DraftKings lineup. So I'll give you that to close out the show. And, you know, I begin this show today asking myself, like I begin every show, what's the top story in the sports world? You know, sometimes the story here locally is still the top story nationally in the sports world. But for the most part, you know, unless it's something earth-shattering like a major trade or a finals game or a play- or just a shocking playoff performance, unless it's something like that, I, I do usually open with the local perspective and, and the biggest local storyline. But, I mean, look, we had so much going on last night, yesterday. We began with the Red Sox at 4 o'clock, game one of the ALDS in Houston. And that began with a Red Sox loss, by the way. I'll get into that. Then it was a Bruins win. The Bruins opened the regular season at home against the Nashville Predators. The Bruins beat the Predators. And then you get the New England Patriots on Thursday night football in Tampa Bay trying to bounce back from a loss at home against Carolina. And uh, the Patriots wearing their color rush unis, wearing the the all-white uniforms, I did not like the looks of those, so you don't really like the look of this game going in, and of course, the Rob Gronkowski injury news, he had a thigh injury, popped up on the injury report, what, yesterday, uh, two days ago, and right before the game, they ruled Gronk out, so not really a good feeling to this one on Thursday night, Thursday night football in Tampa Bay, Um, but the Patriots, they end up winning this game. So I asked myself, with all that going on, 
And, you know, with week five in the NFL upcoming, I, I ask myself, what's the biggest sports storyline? Like, what should I open with today? And even though I, I close out the week here with a lot of NFL, a lot of football, and the Patriots did play last night, I think the Patriots would be the would be a bigger story if they lost in Tampa Bay. I know it was an ugly win, but they didn't lose. I think it's Thursday night football. It's it's always seems to be an ugly game on Thursday night because of the short week for these teams. They don't like to play it. And because of that, it's an ugly game. And because of that, we don't really like to watch it. Tom Brady got hit way too much last night. I think that's the story of the game. I know some people might want to talk about Gronkowski's injury, but if he is a little banged up, and this is a guy who is seemingly injury-prone on a short week, are you really rushing him out there knowing that this is still a Buccaneers team without Gronk that you can beat? Even though, even being in Tampa Bay, it was ugly. The Buccaneers kicker gave, you know, helped the Patriots out by missing three field goals. You get the, you, you, look, you leave Tampa with a win on a short week on Thursday night football. It was ugly, but you get the win. So because of the win, I'm not so sure that's such a big story. As now you'll have, if, you know, the Patriots will now have a little extra rest here before their week six game in Jersey against the New York Jets. So I don't think anybody as ugly as Thursday night looked for as many questions as the Patriots have both. Injury-wise, both performance-wise, from the defense all season long, you know, yeah, the defense looked better last night, but there was there's still some issues there, I think, okay? You got the offensive line that cannot protect Tom Brady. For as many issues that the Patriots have, is anybody looking at this game against the Jets going, all right, they're going to lose this one? I don't think so. So I don't think the Patriots are the biggest story. The biggest story is postseason baseball, but especially where we have the Red Sox in the postseason. And you have Chris Sale in game one in Houston, just with a complete and utter stinker in Houston. Chris Sale, his first postseason game. This is the story. Whether the Red Sox won or lost, I think this is the story. And it just so happens the Red Sox lost game one. So we'll begin with that. Um, It was the first game of the day with all the games that we had going on on Thursday, yesterday. The first game of the day. And I was ready. I mean, look, this is the type. This was the type of day and night where I, I'm not so sure I can handle many of these days. Like if we had a lot of days like that where um, you had a, the Patriots playing in a primetime game game on the road with the Red Sox having a playoff game and the Bruins in between. Though I didn't really watch much of the Bruins. I didn't. I really didn't. I just I'm, it's an 82 game season. And, and this is a hockey guy. I'm a hockey guy. But I just, I'm not into it. Like, there's other stuff going on. And uh, the, the fact that, the, you know, the Red Sox could have been enough for me. I didn't even need the football game last night. The Red Sox game was enough stress for me yesterday. And especially given the way that thing played out. I mean, from the get-go. Now, the roster comes out. And the Red Sox roster comes out. And the official roster comes out. And I have questions with the Red Sox roster. I mean, so, so... We knew the issues with the Red Sox, right? They're banged up. Nunez, Pedroia, even Mookie's hand uh, or wrist. Yeah, Hanley with the shoulders all season long. Um, David Price was banged up for a while, which means he's in the pen. Um, you know, they're just, they're a, they're a banged up bunch. The Red Sox are, are a hurting unit, and they have questions with the rotation, you know, which which brought us to questions with the roster. Now, I told you on my podcast early in the week what my roster would have been. 
So, and it's funny to me because the rust that comes out officially, the Red Sox announce it. And, and I, I read a lot of the Red Sox beat writers on Twitter, and they're like, oh, no surprises here. What? What do you mean, no surprises here? I thought there were plenty of surprises. First and foremost, to me, the biggest surprise with the roster was not even with the Nunez stuff. I know the Nunez thing was tough for people to fathom going in, and it's even tougher for people to fathom given the way Nunez left the game yesterday. He had to be carried off the field after his first at bat. Uh, It's a ground ball. Can't even, you know, he runs out of the batter's box. And he's limping up the first baseline. He doesn't even make it to first base. He's got to get carried off the field. And you're going, why did you even put him on the roster? Now, he did play simulated games. He did have opportunities where he was running out of the batter's box. But my issue with that is, is that, you know, with Nunez, I'm okay with him being on the roster. If you think maybe, maybe there's a spot where he could pinch hit and take a swing at some point during the series, right? If you think he's a little banged up still, he's not 100%, but you think there's a shot he could take a good hack for you in a pinch hit situation? I don't know. I mean, I'm okay. I'm actually okay with him on the roster. The question I had was, why would you put him in the starting lineup? And why would you, I mean, so look, against the righty and Verlander, I think you want Mitch Mullen in the lineup, right? Mitch Mullen's going to play against the right-handed pitcher. He's going to play first base. You expect Hanley to be in the lineup every day, right? He's your DH. Hanley's, you expect Hanley in the lineup every day. Um, I think Nunez was a guy that would be getting starts against a left-handed pitcher, like let's say game two today at 2 o'clock against lefty Dallas Keuchel, who's on nine days rest, which I think the Red Sox really do need to take advantage of this. Um... And Drew Palmer is on the mound for the Red Sox. But you know what? By the time you listen to this show, that game might be over with. So let's just react to game one, and then um, we'll take it from there. But overall, you're looking at the roster. I wasn't that upset with Nunez on the roster. I I didn't understand Nunez in the start lineup as the DH sitting Hanley and batting Nunez second. Like, I didn't understand the lineup yesterday. I have a bigger problem with yesterday's lineup than I did with Nunez being on the roster. Now, now, that said, the other questions I had with the Russian, and the biggest surprise to me was that there's no Robbie Scott. There's no left-handed specialist. And I get it. David Price is in the bullpen. You know, they, they kept Rodriguez and Porcello on the roster. We know that Doug Fist is going to start game three. Like I told you, he should. All right, Fist is going to start game three on Sunday at Fenway, which is a 2.30 start. So you get a lot of early starts here, which I don't, you know, I, I wouldn't like if I was a player, but that's what you're going to get. Fist is going to start game three. That's what they should do. And game four on Monday at Fenway, the time of this game to be determined, you know, I told you, if you're down 2-1, Sales should go on short rest. Even though he got lit up yesterday, he still should go on short rest. He's your guy. You know, you don't put Porcello there. You don't put Rodriguez there. It should be Sale. Now, if you're up 2-1... Okay, then then maybe you think about putting Porcello. Or you have Rodriguez on the roster. You know, maybe maybe that's that's your guy. But I still would go with Porcello in game four. If only if you're up 2-1. I don't know if they're going to be up 2-1, though. I don't. And so a, a question that I had with the pitching staff, with the roster, was there's no Robbie Scott. You know, you, and you can tell me all you want about the other lefties in the pen. David Price, and if you are going to use Rodriguez... 
These are not guys that are programmed to come in for just one batter with, let's say, two runners on or, or a runner in scoring position. All right, I expect Price to come out of the pen and give you multiple innings. And I think he can give you multiple big innings. I think David Price can be somebody that can bail out the rest of his pitching staff when they're struggling. I think David Price can be somebody that can bail out the entire team. I think David Price is going to be a very important weapon. And he could be a weapon today in game two and in game three on Sunday. All right? And, and beyond that. But forget about the, the fact that, oh, he's a lefty. You need a lefty specialist. I don't. That's what I don't understand. Like, against... Josh Reddick in a big spot, maybe in the sixth, seventh inning, I don't know, at some point, you want just a lefty to come in and face the one left-hander. You, what, what are you going to do? Like, what are you going to do? You, you're not going to go to Scott? I'm telling you right now, there's going to be a situation where you're looking out and there's going to be Eduardo Rodriguez warming up and you're saying, wait a minute, he's not programmed to do this. Why would you put him in this spot? Robbie Scott is. So I don't understand Robbie Scott not in the roster. Also, no workman on the roster. I don't necessarily understand that. Even though he did struggle down the stretch, workman does have the postseason experience out of the pen. Uh, 2017, which I thought maybe shouldn't be denied. Instead, you go with Austin Maddox. Like, I, I guarantee you there are some Red Sox fans, and I don't blame you for this. I'm not blaming you for this, but I guarantee you there are some Red Sox fans who are looking at this roster going, who the fuck is Austin Maddox? I guarantee it. And that doesn't say anything about the average fan. I think that says something about the Red Sox roster, right? Now, again, you went with Rodriguez and Porcello. You also went with Devin Marrero. But seeing the Nunez injury in game one, I guess you can understand the Marrero addition. Um, if, you know, I thought they should have started Chris. Uh, they should have put Chris Young on the roster in, to begin with. They didn't. They left Young off the roster. And... I question that. I, I I was surprised by that. And not because I'm sitting here praising Chris Young's statistics for this season, but I'm sitting here telling you that I think Rajay Davis is a guy that might just be a pinch runner in certain spots. I think he could use another outfielder in Chris Young, and I would have put him on the roster initially over Marrero if you're going to also have Brock Holt. Holt's a utility infielder, and you added Nunez. But, you know... Maybe with the Nunez injury, you're seeing the Marrero thing play out. If they did put Young on the initial roster over Marrero, which, again, I thought they should have done, you probably would be adding Marrero anyways because, again, the news on Nunez is not good. I don't think you needed to hear the news to know that it wasn't good. Nunez, I'm sure you saw it by now. Right away yesterday in the first inning, ground ball, takes a step, takes a couple steps, limping, falls to the ground. They have to carry him off the field. Um, just a very bizarre moment. And, uh, now Nunez is out. And because of that, the Red Sox can add a player to the roster, but they have to add a positional player. They cannot eliminate, they cannot eliminate the positional player and add a pitcher. That would be cheating. They can't do that. They have to add a positional player. So they're going to add Chris Young. And you know what? Against a lefty today, um, I, <laughs> I mean, would you be surprised to see no Moreland? And to see Hanley at first and, and Chris Young, the DH, I know I wouldn't. And that brings me back to why wouldn't you have Chris Young on the, the fucking roster to begin with, right? Well, you're adding him now. Um, so with the Nunez injury, they would have been adding Marrero anyway, so I don't know how worked up you want to get with that. But there are my point is there are questions that I have with the way 
the Red Sox put together this, this roster. Now, that said, here we are. After game one, you lose 8-2 to two in Houston. I went, see, I, I, I stayed off of Twitter for a long time during this game. I did. I stayed off for a long time. But I went back on in like the sixth inning, seventh inning, and I saw a lot of tweets on my timeline with people crushing the manager, people crushing John Farrell. And I'm telling you right now, and I even tweeted it out, that is the most foolish thing I have ever seen in my entire life. Chris Sale, your ace, making his postseason debut, okay? He goes on the mound. He allows two home runs in the first inning back-to-back. He then allows a third home run in the fifth. He de- Before that, in between those things, all the home runs, he allowed a two-run double in the fourth. Chris Sale, your race, the, the Boston Red Sox leader, the number one top dog, the guy that everybody is going to jump on his back. He goes into Houston game one against Justin Verlander. There is very little room for error. But we're relying on Chris Sale to to shake off the struggles that he had in August, to shake off the struggles that he had at times in September. You're asking him to shake those things off, go into the postseason, be a bull, the bulldog we know you are, and, and and go into a pitcher's duel against Justin Verlander. What did Chris Sale do? He did the complete opposite. He let up five runs through the through five innings and three home runs through five innings. Now his final line was what, five plus, nine hits, seven earned runs, because two runs scored after Joe Kelly came in in the sixth, uh, sailed through 100 pitches, he only walked one guy, he struck out six, but he let up three home runs. And you can say what you want about the sixth inning and how that was handled, and people are trying to tell me that, well, they should have never put Chris Sale back out in the sixth. You know, how could you do that? Well, here's my theory on that. My theory is the, the number two guy getting up in that sixth inning was a lefty in Josh Reddick. And uh, I just think they wanted Sale. Yeah, I, people say, go get Price. No, you don't go get Price. It's a 5-2 game. Price is a weapon. But to me, not in that situation. Chris Sale is still your guy. He hadn't thrown 100 pitches yet. He did have two strikeouts in the fifth inning. There were times where Sale looked very good yesterday. And with, with Reddick... The lefty do up second in that sixth inning. I was okay with Sale coming back into the game in the sixth. But I go on Twitter, and what is it? Oh, God, Twitter sucks. Twitter is the stupidest fucking thing. I'm telling you right now, it really brings out the idiocy in not just in the country, but in you want to bring it specifically to Boston and New England. Twitter brings out the idiocy in this in this area, especially when it comes to sports especially when it comes to the Red Sox, and especially when it comes to criticism of a Major League Baseball manager. Holy shit, are you really going to give, are you telling me that you're going to give Chris Sale a free pass yesterday? You, I have to go on Twitter and, and say, oh, he kept, they kept Chris Sale in the sixth inning. How about Joe Kelly grows a pair of fucking balls and gets a couple big outs? How about that? Is, is that out of so out of the realm of possibility? Joe Kelly had a great season. A great season. This is your job as a reliever. You throw 117 miles per fucking hour. You can't go out there and, and get a big out? A couple big outs? Come on, give me a fucking break. Like, enough already. You, 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 
the criticism of the man, you don't look, you don't have to tell me you like the manager by saying Chris Sale had a bad day and that's the reason I lost. You don't have to like, you don't have to tell me that's not admitting that you like the manager and think he does a good job. It's not. So please, to to look at the sixth inning. You threw out your best pitcher. It's not like that was Porcello. It's not like that was Rodriguez. It's not like that was Fista. Fuck, it's not like that was even Drew Pomeranz. It was Chris Sale, okay? The only reason you're in this position, the only reason the Red Sox are playing in this game yesterday, in a year which they didn't have David Ortiz, in a year in which they missed Pedroia for, a, for, a long, for long stretches, in a year in which David Price missed a lot of the season due to injury, Chris Sale is the only reason you're in that fucking game yesterday. And you're going to put the game on the manager because he put him because he put Chris Sale back out in the sixth inning? Shut the fuck up. You sound like an idiot. Honestly, that's stupid. Chris Sale let up three home runs through five innings. Let up five runs through five innings. Again, three home runs. The first inning, he let up two. I mean, and this is on the manager? Give me a break. This is on Chris Sale. Simple analysis for game one. Chris Sale sucked. Move on to game two. And hope that Drew Pomeranz doesn't let up three home runs. Like, I think it is that simple. It is. Now, if you want to blame the manager for anything, you can blame it on, the, you know, you, you can blame him for having a, a shit lineup, I think. I think that's a shit lineup yesterday. That's not a game one of the playoffs lineup. That's not. That's a shit lineup yesterday he put out. Nunez as the DH against the righty, that's a shit lineup. But here's the deal. He, Farrell kind of lucked out with the shit lineup because Nunez got hurt early, which means Hanley came in and had a day for himself going two for three. So don't tell me that the Nunez addition of, you know, lost them this game. You know, if he was limping around and struggling with terrible swings with runners in scoring position all game, then that's a different story. But he wasn't. He was out early. Hanley came in. And, uh, but that was, that was no longer the story. The story was your starting pitcher. The Red Sox ace, he sucked. That's it. That's it. Okay? Chris Sale sucked. And I tweeted this out as well. If that was Dave, for all the people blaming the manager yesterday for the sixth inning, and really taking that sixth inning and, and blaming, using it to blame Farrell for the game. For all those people doing that. If David Price was on the mound yesterday and David Price had allowed three home runs, if he had allowed five runs through five innings, there would have been people, a lot of people, burning David Price's jersey. Okay? There would have been. And there, those same people criticizing the manager would have been criticizing David Price. And they would have been running him out of town at that point. So, I don't. I just don't think you can have it both ways. Like if you're if you're gonna knock someone like David Price if he had those numbers Chris Sale put up, then guess what? When Chris Sale puts up those numbers and Chris Sale sucks in the postseason, you have to give the same criticism to the player who cannot get the job done. All right, that's on Chris Sale. That's it. That is as simple. That is as simple as you need to get with game one. And you know what you need to do in game two? Well, first, if you really go into the lineup. Dustin Pedroia cannot be hitting sixth. Uh, he didn't look good yesterday. He made a terrible base running mistake, which almost cost him a run, by the way. Moreland just barely got in. I don't know what Pedroia was thinking, but Dustin Pedroia, as bad as his day was yesterday, come on, as banged up as he is, you're going to hit the guy sixth? 
What has anybody in this lineup proven to you in the postseason? I mean, give me a fucking break. Dustin Pedroia needs to be up there hitting second in this lineup. If he's not hitting second in the lineup today, I don't know what's going on. I don't. Because don't tell me you hit him sixth because there's an injury. Are you going to hit him four spots back? If he's that banged up, don't play him. He's playing. He obviously... It's good enough to play, so hit him where he usually hits. Hit him up top. Hit him second. All right? You can lead him off for all I care. Just get him up there. Get him up there. Get the veteran. You've got to see your first postseason in God knows how long without David Ortiz. You got Pedroia hitting sixth? On an offense that struggles? Come on. Come on. Let's go. Wake the fuck up, John. Wake up. The lineup today for game two better be better than this. All those things said, here's the, the, the biggest difference that we need to see with this Red Sox team in game two is Drew Pomeranz needs to show up. Drew Pomeranz needs to show up, and he needs to pitch the way he pitched all season long. What do you have, 17 wins? And the, win, the wins, losses of Pomeranz does tell the story of what type of season he had. Pomeranz had a great season. Well, now it's time to step it up. And the Red Sox offense against the lefty in Dallas Keuchel, who's very good, but hasn't pitched in nine days. He's got nine days rest. Might be a little rusty early. Maybe with command. Take advantage of that. All right? Take advantage. This, this, this series is not lost yet. But, but the things they got to do in game two, take advantage of, of possible rusty Dallas Keuchel. And then, I think the biggest thing, make sure their starting pitcher shows up. And shows up the way he did for most of the regular season. If, if Pomeranz doesn't show up, I don't think you're going to have much of a shot in Houston, right? So that it's simple. It, 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 Chris Sale didn't show up in game one. You go to game two and hope that Drew Pomeranz does. That's it. That's it. And, um, you know, if Dallas Keuchel has it going on early and you get into the third or the fourth and Pomeranz starts to struggle, I think you should be ready with a quick hook. I, I, with Sale, it's different. It's, as good as Pomeranz was, I just think it's different with Sale. In that moment, yesterday, even going into the sixth, Sale is your guy. Chris Sale is your guy. I, I, I just, it, it's different with everybody else. There's Sale and there's everybody else. As good as Pomeranz has been, he's part of the everybody else category. So uh, if Pomeranz does look like he's a little shaky, maybe in the third or the fourth, if Keuchel has it going, then I think you go to David Price. And you hope that you can go with David Price, and then you have the day off, and then maybe you could go to David Price again if Doug Fister does get into early trouble in game three. But um, I, I don't, Look, you, you can win game two. If you can win game two, obviously this is a series. But the, these things can be over real quick, especially with these early games. Especially with the early games. So um, that's what we have with the Red Sox. That's after game one. And by the time you listen to this, game two might already be over. I don't know. Maybe it'll be 1-1. Maybe they'll be down 0-2. But um, I still like the idea of Fister in game three. I told you that going in. They've made that decision, but you better have David Price up early, ready to go. I think David Price should be up early, ready to go in game two and with the day off in between, also for game three. That's that's where we stand right now. And knowing that, I was okay not bringing Price in in the sixth inning yesterday. I was okay with that. Anybody wants to put game one on John Farrell? Uh, look, I, don't, I didn't like his lineup. I didn't like the decision for Nunez to be in that lineup, but I don't. I don't think that was a... It ended up not being a factor based on Nunez getting hurt so early. Uh, but I, I think you need to bump Pedroia up in game two. And if you don't do it for game two, you better do it for game three. Bump Pedroia up. 
And uh, keep Hanley in the lineup. And the only swap you're making is taking Moreland out against the lefty. And then figure it out, which I think means that you're going Chris Young, right? Maybe. Right? Is that the guy? Maybe. So we'll see how game two plays out again. By the time you listen to this, game two might be over. But uh, taking a look around the rest of the MLB postseason, the Yankees beat the Twins in the wild card. Arizona beat Colorado in the wild card. Uh, Trevor Bauer started game one for Cleveland, which was kind of a shock because Corey Kluber, based on when he pitched last in the regular season, he's their ace. He's one of the best pitchers in the game. He could have pitched game one on normal rest. Instead, he's going to pitch game two, which is today on Friday, tonight, on five days rest. And so it's the Indians hosting the Yankees. And in game one, Trevor Bauer was great. And uh, Cleveland beat New York 4-0 in game one. Game two with Corey Kluber versus CC Sabathia is tonight on this Friday night. And then tonight, today, the NLDS series begin. Chicago is in Washington. The Cubs play the Nationals in Washington. And Arizona, uh, they are in L.A. to take on the Dodgers. So that's what we have in the Major League Baseball postseason. Thursday began with that. Then you had the Bruins in between. Again, I didn't really watch too much of that game. You know, a couple moments of it, but... uh, I'm sorry. As much as I love the Bruins, as much as I love hockey, that's just uh, there are other things going on that basically grab my attention right now, this time of year. And with the Patriots playing Thursday night football, that was the other draw for me yesterday, way more than the Bruins. And um, the Patriots in Tampa Bay, they win the game 19-14. It was an ugly game, as you probably could have expected. You know, the Patriots, they... Oh, something to Nick Folk, <laughs> kick of the, the Buccaneers, who went 0 for 3 of his field goals. Now, one of his field goals was a lot deeper than the others. It was, what, like 58 yards? But the other two he should have hit. And if he hits those other two, I mean, you do the math. Um, we're talking about a, a Buccaneers team that maybe changes some things they do late in the game offensively to, to squeeze out a win. But, uh, hey, it was an ugly win. The Patriots do it without Gronk. I... You know, Gronk, I know some people are going to criticize him for this. Look, he's injury prone. You need him for the long haul. If this is something that maybe you can manage, and on a short week, it's not ideal for him to play, and now you get some extra rest for him, I think I'm okay with it. Um, I was okay going in. Now, the fantasy owner in me, I do have Gronk on my fantasy team. I know you don't care, but that that's really the only effect that it had on me. As a Patriots fan, I sat there and went, eh, the Pats can still win without Gronk. We just saw him win a Super Bowl without Gronk, so why couldn't they win this game in Tampa Bay? The Patriots do win this game in Tampa Bay, but to me, out of all of it, the top story is that Tom Brady keeps getting hit at an alarming rate. And it's weird hits, too. It's like guys falling into his knees. Um, It's being driven down into the ground on his shoulders. His hands getting caught uh, on the ground underneath him. We can't have that. It adds to the stress level. And you can talk all you want about his age. You could be a 20-year-old quarterback getting knocked around the way Tom Brady's getting knocked around right now. You know, chances are you're not going to last this entire season. So whatever they're doing up front, whatever they're doing on that offensive line, that needs to be fixed. You cannot be, you know, this offensive line that lets Tom Brady gets hit, gets hit this much. You can't let him get hit this much. It just can't happen. So you got to figure that out. You have to. 
And, and, and that's really it for the Patriots. You figure out the offensive line issues, even without Gronk, this offense is fine. This offense is going to score 30 a game. They only scored 19 last night. They only scored one touchdown last night with Guskowski kicking four field goals on Thursday night. But um, the, the pressure up front has just been way too much. Tom Brady's been getting hit way too much, and that needs to stop. And that is, to me, the top Patriots storyline right now. So they get the extra time off. They will go play the Jets um, at MetLife. In week number six, which is going to be a week from Sunday, it's going to be October October 15th, a 1 o'clock start on CBS. So uh, we get closer to that game, I'll talk about Patriots and the Jets. But week five, it began on Thursday Night Football. So uh, here's a look at what week five in the NFL looks like. 13 more games, only 14 total games for week five because four teams have a bye Atlanta, Denver, New Orleans, and Washington. Those are the teams that have a bye. So we have now begun the bye portion of the schedule. And with last night's game, the Patriots game, only 13 more games on the schedule. Week 5 will end on Monday Night Football with Minnesota and Chicago. The Vikings, who, by the way, we don't know what's up with Sam Bradford. He did return to practice. What was it, on a limited basis? He's got a knee injury. The Vikings have been using Case Keenum. Uh, since week two. So, Sam Bradford, you know, they get Dalvin Cook now off of the season with a torn ACL. I think they're, they're really looking for Bradford to get back. And I'm telling you right now, if Bradford can play on Monday night, I know I told you Monday about my survivor pool, which is getting awfully interesting. I might be tempted to take the Vikings in minute, excuse me, the Vikings in Chicago on Monday Night Football because it's going to be Mitch Trubisky's NFL debut for the Bears. They're going to bench Mike Glennon. Trubisky's going to make his debut. And uh, I don't know what that's going to be like. But the Vikings, the numbers for their pass defense so far through four weeks do not look good. It doesn't look like typical Viking defense, or at least the Viking defense we've seen the last couple of years. Their run defense numbers are pretty good, but their pass defense numbers are not. Um... If Sam Bradford could play in this game, I might be tempted to take Minnesota in my survivor pool. I've already taken Pittsburgh. I've already taken Oakland. Thank God I already took Oakland because I think there's some people who haven't taken Oakland yet who are probably kicking themselves because uh, Derek Carr's now out with that back injury for an extended period of time, and they're going to EJ Manuel. I, good luck putting your money on EJ Manuel and, and the Oakland Raiders. But I already took Oakland. I took the Patriots in Week 3 over Houston. I got that. And I took Seattle last week in Week 4 at home over Indy, and they whooped Indy, so you can only take a team once, and 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 if you look at week five, look at all of week five, this has to be the toughest week, and I'm not just talking about picking a team to win straight up, I'm talking about with the spreads as well, and that will bring me into picks, picks in just a moment, but I mean, look, at, I'm telling you right now, look at week five, look at all these games, there is not one obvious winner, never mind winning with the spread, this is not so, this is one of the tougher weeks I've seen in the NFL in a long, long time. And uh, I really think the only obvious win was the Patriots last night in Tampa. As ugly as it was, I just don't think the Patriots were going to lose a game coming off a loss at home. They just The Patriots were not going to lose that game last night. Even if Nick Folk made his field goals, even if he made two or three field goals, I do feel like the Patriots, even without Gronk, would have found a way to win that game last night. I really do. I think they would have found a way to win. 
Now, the rest of week five is impossible to predict, and that's the predicament that I find myself in, just needing one team to win straight up in my survivor pool, $320,000 to the winner. That's big money. And over 3,000 entries, there's only 1,000 left. So 2,000 people have been eliminated only through four weeks of the season. So I have a couple big picks to make with regards to my survivor pool the next couple weeks, and uh, I'm still on the fence. There's a couple teams that I've narrowed it down to. I, I just don't know who I'm taking in that survivor pool yet. But when it comes to games with the spread, I do have five picks for you. Picks, picks. I have them ready to go. I'll give that to you in just a moment. But just checking out the rest of week five, uh, only one undefeated team remains. That's Kansas City at 4-0. They beat the Washington Redskins on Monday Night Football. So Kansas City, the only undefeated team left standing at 4-0. There are four teams that are winless. Four winless teams left in the NFL. The Cleveland Browns, they're at 0-4. They host the New York Jets Sunday at 1. The 49ers are in Indianapolis uh, 49ers 0-4, that game Sunday at 1. Then you got two 0-4 teams going up against each other. The Chargers are at MetLife to take on the Giants. Two 0-4 teams that Sunday is at 1 as well. But uh, So at least one of these four winless teams will get a win in Week 5. I put my money on the Giants getting that, and I've even thought about taking the Giants in my survivor pool as crazy of a pick as that might be to take a team with no wins to bank on them getting their first win against a team that also has no wins that's trying to get their first win. You know what? I? But I just, I'm not going to be able to do that. You know why? Because I am done putting any type of wager on a game that Phillip Rivers is involved in. I can't do it. It's just... The guy gives me anxiety, and he's not even my quarterback. I cannot fathom what it would be like to be a Chargers fan and have to watch Phillip Rivers week in and week out. I just, you know, he's like clapping at the line of scrimmage. He can't get the call off every week without fail. There's a moment in a game where there's a delay a game or it's coming close. He's going to call a timeout, and he's mad at somebody. Why are you mad at everybody else? Snap the ball. Like, I get it that another guy has to snap the ball to you. But you mean to tell me as the quarterback, this happens so often that you're not ever in the wrong there? Give me a break. It always happens. Phillip Rivers, he's a chaotic quarterback. I just, I don't even want to be a part of his games when it comes to putting a wager down. or Just being involved, having any rooting interest, whether it's for him or against him. I don't even want to be involved in it. That's anxiety that I do not need in my life. I got enough anxiety last night on Thursday night with all the shit going on in this town. I, I I don't need to be involved in that. So it is tempting in that that game against two 0-4 teams to take the home field advantage, right? But uh, ultimately, I think I'm just going to stay away from it. So that's what we have in week five, and it brings me to my DraftKings gotta have them play for Sunday slate. Every week, I'll give you one player that you gotta have in your DraftKings lineup, and that reminds me, play for free at DraftKings.com or on the DraftKings app by using my promo code PICK, that's P. I see football season has begun, but it's not too late to get closer to the game you love with DraftKings one-week fantasy football. And this Sunday for Week 5, DraftKings is hosting a $100,000 contest that's totally free to enter. That's right, $100,000 contest. You can play for free with my promo code PICK. With DraftKings, there are many ways to play. Choose between public contests with big cash prizes or private contests where you can compete against a group of your friends 
DraftKings also has beginner and casual contests where you play against people of similar skill level. The best part is you get to draft a new team every week without any commitment whatsoever. So what are you waiting for? Go to DraftKings.com right now or download their app and play for free with my promo code PICK. That's P-I-C. And here's who you got to have for week number five for Sunday's games. It's Todd Gurley. L.A. Rams running back Todd Gurley. Look, you if you look at Todd Gurley's season so far, um, what you'll find is that he's a he's a daily fantasy beast, right? He's a DraftKings beast. He put 20 points up in week one, but that was his season low. Gurley put up 27 points in week two against Washington. He put up 40 points in week three against San Fran. You remember that Thursday night game? And last week in Dallas, he put up 37 points. And I know they're playing the Seattle Seahawks. And Seattle's defense... That might scare some people away. It really might. But here's the deal. Girl, you just want to look at Gurley's stats? He's second in the NFL, averaging 90 rush yards per game. He's behind Kareem Hunt, who's having just a beast season. But uh, Todd Gurley, second in the league, 90 rush yards per game. And when you do look at Seattle's defense... I know, Seattle's defense, they got this, everybody looks at them every year and they say, wow, this ferocious D, Ah, this season, is it that? Here's where it's not, their run defense, Seattle's run defense ranks 27th in the NFL, they allow 134 rush yards per game, and a couple recent examples for this season against Seattle's defense running, Carlos Hyde of the 49ers ran for 124 yards against Seattle in week two. And DeMarco Murray, Tennessee Titans, ran for 115 yards against Seattle in week three. So you tell me, what's Todd Gurley, a guy who is basically averaging, and I'm just doing the math right now, I think he's probably averaging, what, 33 fantasy points a week? If my averages are correct, just eyeballing this thing, I mean, this guy's coming off a 37-point performance in Dallas. I think if you're concerned about anything with Seattle's defense, it's maybe their pass defense. And um, maybe they try to take Jared Goff out of the equation. But because it's at home as well, like you're not going to Seattle, I think some people might be scared to take this game. They might be scared of Seattle's defense. Seattle's a beatable team this year. The Seahawks right now, they're 2-2. Two and two. They're in second place behind the Rams. I believe in the Rams. But when it comes to DraftKings, and you got to have them play of the week for Sunday, I believe in Todd Gurley. I believe that Gurley will rush for another at least close to 100 yards. This will be a guy that has a big game at home. I'll take the... I'll take the running back who's having a beast season against the defense who's letting up a lot of yards rushing, and I'll take that running back who's at home. I'm taking Todd Gurley as you are got to have him play for Sunday's games on DraftKings. And again, go play for free at DraftKings.com or on their app with my promo code PICK. That's P-I-C. And it brings me to the segment that I close out every week with Picks, picks for week five in the NFL. I went two and three last week. I am now 11 and nine on the season where I give you five games with the spread. Let's try to not just stay above 500, but add to it. Add to my 11 wins. Before I do, I got to remind you, picks, picks for week five. Actually, you know what? Before we do this, hit the music. I forgot to say that. Hit the music for picks, picks. 
Picks Picks for Week 5, presented by Aiden's Barber Shop in Dorchester. The girls at Aiden's provide the best in gentlemen and boys' haircuts, hot shaves, beard trims, and style cuts. Everyone knows where Aiden's Barber Shop is on Adams Street, and it's the only shop around with five different barbers. Aiden's is open Monday through Saturday. Check out their website, aidensbarbershop.com, for every barber's specific hours. That's Aiden's, spelled A-I-D-A-N-S. Again, aidensbarbershop.com. And you know what I like most about Aiden's? The girls finish every cut with a straight edge, and who could ever complain about that? So, whether you need a haircut, a shave, or just a cleanup, head down to Aiden's Barbershop right now on Adams Street in Dorchester. All right, let's get to the picks, huh? Pick number one, I'm going with the San Francisco 49ers as a one-and-a-half-point dog over the Indianapolis Colts. This game is in Indy Sunday at 1. Again, the 49ers plus one-and-a-half. Look, the 49ers, as I just told you, are one of four winless teams in the NFL. But other than their first loss, which was a 23-3 loss to Carolina in Week 1, the 49ers, they've lost each of their last three by three points or less. So the 49ers, they're, they're getting closer to a win, aren't they? I mean, if you watch them play, you can sort of feel it. And you look at what type of offense they're trying to run. I just think they're so close that all they need is to play another team that's sort of in their class. And I think the Indianapolis Colts, being a team that is only one and three, I think they are in the San Francisco 49ers class. Now, this game is in Indianapolis, which did make me have to think about this a couple times before I made this pick. But here's the deal. When you look at the schedules, or at least the losses of both San Francisco and the Indianapolis Colts, they have something that's eerily similar. They do. They have something that's eerily similar. They both got beat by the Seahawks and the Rams, and they also both lost to the Arizona Cardinals in overtime. How weird is that? But here's the difference. Indy losing to Seattle and the Rams. Indy got whooped by Seattle, and they got whooped by L.A. San Francisco did not. I just told you, they lost their last three by three points or less. And the Colts are coming off a 46-18 loss at the hands of the Seahawks on Sunday night. So uh, the Colts, you just watch them play, still led by Jacoby Brissett. It's not like we're going to see Andrew Luck on Sunday, and I think the 49ers can handle that. They've been so close to a win. All they need is to play a team that they should be able to beat, and Indianapolis is not one of the elite teams in the NFL, so I do think that San Fran is going to go on the road, and they are going to win this game. So obviously, I take the 49ers plus one and a half over to Indianapolis Colts. My next pick, the Philadelphia Eagles, minus six and a half, a six and a half point favorite at home against the Arizona Cardinals. Now, Arizona's offense, you watch them. They have not been the same since losing running back David Johnson in week one to a wrist injury. Now, Johnson, he could return this season, but he's out till at least December. So you know he's not returning for this one in week five in Philly. Uh, The Cardinals... They're going to have to find a way to improve their run game. They have a league-worst 57 rush yards per game. Now, unfortunately for Arizona, this probably isn't the best matchup, especially being on the road in Philly to get that thing going. But here's, here's the issue with Philly. You can throw on them. They have a pass defense 
that ranks third worst in the NFL, allowing 285 pass, pass yards per game. Um, so maybe this is a game where Carson Palmer goes off, but the Cardinals are 2-2, two and two, and here's where I think the difference is. When you look at the games that they've played, you look at their record. I mean, what? Who have they beat? They've beaten the Colts and the 49ers, and they beat them. They beat both of those teams in overtime. Both of Arizona's wins are in overtime against the Colts and the 49ers. Those two teams, I just told you they're playing against each other. I'm taking San Fran. Colts and the 49ers have a combined record of 1-7, and seven, so... How big, really, were the wins that Arizona's had? And they just barely won them. Again, both in overtime. The teams that Arizona's lost to, they've lost the teams that have quarterbacks that can make big plays. Matthew Stafford and Dak Prescott. Carson Wentz is the quarterback for Philly. The Eagles are 3-1. and one. I told you coming into the season that the Eagles are going to have a nice year, that Carson Wentz is going to have a nice season, and um, he can make plays. Something that Stafford and Prescott can do and if the story of the Arizona Cardinals season is going to be that they can't stop other quarterbacks who can make big plays, then I'm going to take Carson Wentz, who is leading the Eagles to a hot start. The Eagles are 3-1. and one. This game is in their own building. It's in Philly. I'm taking Wentz and the Eagles as a six-and-a-half-point favorite over the Arizona Cardinals. Then I'm taking the Detroit Lions as a two-and-a-half-point favorite over the Carolina Panthers. This game is in Detroit. And unfortunately for the Panthers, all the news leading into this game is surrounding Cam Newton and the idiotic comments that he made at a press conference earlier this week when a female reporter asked him about one of his receivers running routes. Cam Newton started laughing and said, it's funny to me when a woman wants to talk about routes. Now, this is the that was the dumbest comment I've ever heard in my entire life. Never mind for just a, an average person or a normal person, but how about an NFL quarterback going into a game and a big game? This is the only game of the week with two three and one teams. I mean, I'm looking at the Carolina Panthers thinking they might have a shot, but you have this controversy and this circus now that is surrounding this game. And if I'm another player, if I'm somebody else on that Panthers team, I am bullshit. I'm bullshit that now I have to answer questions. People are coming in. You got the national media all over you. You got more than just sports media all over you. Here's the deal. Anytime you have media outlets that include non-sports media, that is not a good thing. And there is nobody in that Panthers locker room that wants to have to answer questions about Cam Newton and how he feels about women. Okay, so Cam Newton, this was easily avoidable. How about just don't be an idiot? How, why, like, why would you even be thinking of that when that question is asked? It literally goes, will go down as one of the dumbest things I have ever seen in my entire life. Cam Newton saying what he said earlier this week, and it's, it's just, it's extra controversy that the team just doesn't need. No team needs that. No player needs that. And I'm, Look, I don't know that that's going to be the reason Carolina loses this game, but since it's a storyline and we're talking about the Panthers, I had to bring it up and talk about just how dumb Cam Newton must be, obviously. But now they go to Detroit. Here's where the real challenge on the field Sunday lies. The Panthers, they have if they win this game in Detroit, which again, I don't think they're going to do, and I'm taking Detroit minus 2.5, but if Carolina does win this game, that means they would have had gone into Gillette and beat the Patriots and then go into, into Detroit and beat the Lions. Two straight weeks. Those are two huge road wins against two of the better teams in the NFL. And yes, 
I am putting the Lions in that category. The Lions only lost this season has come into the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, they're coming off a 14-7 win over the Minnesota Vikings in Minnesota. Matt Stafford, seven touchdowns and only one interception. The Lions do not turn the ball over. Carolina does. And Detroit's defense, well, they force turnovers. The Detroit Lions defense leads the league in takeaways with 11. And that is not a good sign for Carolina. Uh, the Panthers going on the road in this one. Look, if it was in Carolina, I might be tempted to take the Panthers. But it's in Detroit. And with that Lions defense, that's going to cause some turnovers. And I don't see the Panthers winning two road games like this back-to-back. And you add all the other stuff to go along with it. I'm going to take the Lions minus two and a half over the Panthers and a Panthers team that averages just 19 and a half points per game. Give me the Lions minus two and a half. Then I'm going with the LA Rams as a one point favorite over the Seattle Seahawks. This game is in LA and this brings me back to my DraftKings gotta have him play of the week which I told you to take Todd Gurley I think because this Seattle run defense has been no good through four weeks I think Gurley has a chance to do something that Carlos Hyde did against him to do something that DeMarco Murray did against him I think Gurley has a great chance to do that I also think that Jared Goff in his own building is going to have a chance to do something Look, the LA Rams did the highest scoring offense in football, averaging 35 and a half points per game. And the most impressive stat to me there is that Jared Goff has thrown only one interception while throwing for over a thousand yards and seven touchdowns through week four. The Rams only loss has come to the Washington Redskins that was in week two. But if you've watched the NFL this season, if you watched Washington this season, you know that the Redskins are not an easy team to play against. So. I think that the Rams, they're battle-tested there. They also went into Dallas last week. Well, they put up 35 points to go into Dallas and beat that Cowboys team, right? A Cowboys team that's coming off a 13-3 season. A Cowboys team that still has Ezekiel Elliott. He has not been suspended or has not served a suspension yet. To go into Dallas and do that and get that win, it tells me they're for real. Now they come home and they host a beatable Seahawks team. This Seahawks team right now is as beatable as as they've been really in the last five or six years. So uh, I know people look at Seattle's defense. They get scared of that defense, but... um, I think you have to give some credit to what LA's doing. You've got to give some credit to, to Goff coming into this season with a running back with some weapons. The Rams coaching staff seems to have it figured out. And again, they're at home. I'm taking the Rams minus one in this game. And going back to my DraftKings prediction, Todd Gurley going to have a big one. But I would not be surprised if Jared Goff also has a big game in this one as well. And my final pick for picks, picks, For week number five, I'm taking the Baltimore Ravens, plus two and a half. They're in Oakland, an East Coast team going to the West Coast. The problem here with Oakland is that Derek Carr's out. So I have one thing that I really take take from this game, and I, I highlight it, I underline it, I put it in bold. EJ Manuel under center for the Raiders. If you want to put your money on that, be my guest. Both the Raiders and the Ravens are 2-2 two two this season. But the Baltimore Ravens defense, they lead the league in interceptions with nine. So how could I possibly? That's another reason to not put your money on EJ Manuel. I think Baltimore goes into Oakland. And, you know, while Baltimore has not really been impressive this season... 
this is sometimes they do surprise you, right? And would you really be surprised if they somehow can carve up Oakland's defense and force a couple turnovers in the process? I'm not going to be. So I'm going to take the Ravens and the points plus two and a half. Give me Baltimore to get their third win of the season and give me Oakland Raiders fans to be begging for Derek Carr to get healthy. So my picks for week five in the NFL, I'm going with San Fran plus one and a half. Philly minus six and a half, Detroit minus two and a half, the Rams minus one, and Baltimore plus two and a half. Picks, picks for week number five in the NFL. It's brought to you by Aiden's Barbershop in Dorchester. Go to Aiden'sBarbershop.com right now to get every barber's specific hours. Aiden's is open Monday through Saturday. And you know where they are on Adams Street in Dorchester. It's the only shop around with five different barbers. And the girls at Aiden's provide the best in gentlemen and boys haircuts, hut shaves, beard trims, and style cuts. And you know what I love most about Aiden's? The girls finish every cut with a straight edge. And who could ever complain about that? So whether you need a haircut, a shave, or just a cleanup, head down to Aiden's Barber Shop right now on Adams Street in Dorchester. That's the show for you today. That's what we got for you this week. Again, I'm on WEEI 93.7 FM all weekend long here in Boston. I'll be back here on the podcast on Monday. I'll talk postseason baseball. I'll break down all of week five in the NFL just because the Patriots aren't playing on Sunday, just because they've already played on Thursday night doesn't mean I won't be reacting to all of Sunday's action. I will. I'll break down my picks. Um, I'll break down every game. And again, postseason baseball, we get the NHL. That regular season has started. The NBA is about to begin. There's so much going on in any other sports news that breaks. I'll react to it Monday. Get this show whenever you want at dannypicard.com. Also on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, literally anywhere podcasts are available, even on the Podcast One app. Follow me on Twitter, Facebook, all forms of social media. Have a great weekend, everybody. I'm out. Talk to you on Monday. Monday.